Hello and welcome to the BBC R&D Human Values podcast. A lot has happened since our previous podcast series and now we want to interview a few key people that have been on this journey with us as we find these cases and explore how the human values framework can be used alongside other existing frameworks. We hope you enjoy this podcast series and please get in touch with us if anything you hear catches your interest. We can be contacted on humanvalues.io. Here's Ian Forrester from BBC R&D, who will be your host. Thank you, Marisa. And we will start the interview with an introduction by the guests. Hi, I'm Dr. Emeline Brule. I'm a lecturer at University of Sussex in the School of Engineering and Informatics. Um, I have a background as a designer. I trained as a graphic and typographic designers back in the day. I even like started in illustration and fine arts, uh, studying more paintings and, uh, and how to make visuals. Um, from there, I went on to research how to make digital publishing tools, uh, mostly aimed at like, cultural organizations and institutions, and also like, how we could uh, use formats such as EPUB for like, books such as catalogues, um, um, and um, more like artistic forms of uh, publishing. I then went on to do a PhD on accessible educational technologies for visually impaired children. And I spent like quite a few years, uh, six years and counting, uh, studying the experiences of uh, visually impaired children uh, in the classroom and how like technologies are used, how they're trained in using technologies, how technologies are used by educators to make um, the like appropriate accessible representations, how technologies, different technologies affect their, ex their experience of schools and how the peers perceive them and so on. And basically how we design for a more inclusive education and when we should design versus where we should have other sorts of interventions. Because I think there's this very strong discourse and there's been this very strong discourse for uh, quite a few years about like technologies are going to solve all of our access issues. If only we have access, then people will be included. And that's just not at all true uh, when we look uh, at it more closely. Um, at Sussex, I teach product design and mostly like interactive design and, and communication to industrial product designers. Uh, and a couple of the things when I'm invited mostly related to accessibility. Um, and that's about it, really. Thank you very much. Uh, so, I, I guess yeah, you know, from your intro, um, it's kind of it seems quite clear um, your interest in uh, I'll say human values, but kind of this whole area. I mean, like this whole kind of move towards ethical design and all these other things. But um, it sounds like you've always been interested in this kind of thing for a while. So. I'm going to ask you a question about is it is that kind of interest more personal or business or is it a bit of both? So I think it's um, it's personal. So the school I attended for my master, um, which is like the I guess in English the School of Design Research in Brussels, was very oriented towards like personal practice. Like designers are, are as artistic practitioners. And back then, I did a lot of work on ethical technologies, um, just like conveying ideas about 
um, for instance, from the narrow way through different editions. I worked on the representations of technologies. Um, I worked on um, data visualization tools using like um, everyday objects. So it was Richard, like looking back, I can see how that was part of my um, of my practice quite some time ago. And back then I also was a nanny. Uh, so I could see firsthand um, like the difficulties that parents had been had been having with um, with technologies. Um, I think, however, that my research expertise like really started with my PhD. I had done some work on access, uh, accessible technologies and making sure that websites were accessible, images were correctly described, making accessible digital publishing tools on both sides of the aspect. So accessible digital publication and accessible digital publishing tools. Um, that said, I, um, yeah, I really dived into it uh, with, my, um, with my PhD. Um, and I think like methods are always, well, ethical methods don't ensure that the results is ethical, but for sure they play an important role we've, uh, we've started the discussion. And, I think from uh, a, like a user and I guess a business point of view, making sure that the basics, everything is at, at least has a basis in accessibility uh, is super important and extremely overlooked. Just before I joined this call, I was actually uh, looking at an open source tool that we're using for uh, chats about inclusivity during a conference uh, and I, and we, I recall we checked it and we managed to like use it in a fairly accessible way. And then now I'm going back and I'm like, none of these buttons are accessible. <laughs> what even happened? And this means that we're, going to, we're not going to be able to use this tool because we have uh, blind attendees. And now we're going back on Zoom, even though we made all of that work to make sure that we had a more accessible platform that was open source and nobody had concern about being coded. Uh, and so on. So yeah, accessibility is definitely, um, it's not that hard. I mean, it's, it does require a, like dif a different expertise. Like I, I get why people find it difficult, but we can do it. Like we have the tools to do it. Um, it massively changes everybody's experience uh, and, uh, and we're not doing it as much as we should. <laughs> the first time that you learn about human values, um... Can you just kind of describe a little bit more like your experience of when you first come across it um, and then your thoughts about what this could mean for, for, you know, uh, for, for yourself and for others that you are, uh, you're teaching? Right, so I don't recall exactly when I came across uh, the BBC Human Values Framework, but I, I do know that I've been following the work of the, uh, of the BBC R&D for quite some time, especially like on, on Microbit. And I just as a French person, I admire so much the service design in, like, in government in the UK. Like, we have great public service in France, but like, you, like, it's a very different ways to do it. And more generally, like, I'm a big fan of the... Um, of a BBC. So that's for like the promotional and I, uh, I can say that I was not prompted to say that, but really that's how I came to follow the work that was done um, at BBC R&D uh, in the first place. So for me, 
the BBC human value. So I use a multiple type of frameworks uh, in my own design practice uh, to ensure that we have, when, again, not difficult process and difficult outcomes and fair outcomes or just outcomes. Um, and there isn't really one framework that everybody uses. There's actually, I think, like uh, good hundreds of frameworks and, and, tool, and tools and card decks and so on that people are using. Uh, and they're all useful in, in different situations. And what I think was uh, really good about the human values framework is that it's very flexible in terms of activities. It's more about, um, I think it was designed in a more universal way so that people are able to uh, adapt it and actually even push against it. Uh, we did that exercise uh, with my students with seeing how we could use these human values, uh, but to do unethical work. Like, how could we, how could we, like, um, uh, say that we're doing everything right, but then do actually everything, uh, everything wrong? And I think that's very relevant in our current tech landscape, where like tech workers have been saying how they're changing the world for the better for so long. Uh, and if you look a bit closer, uh, things are a bit, a bit more nuanced. Let's just say, um, I've been working a lot with value sensitive design as well uh, in the past because I think uh, we know in reality that values are very are very flexible uh, and like the, there's not such thing as a universal value even if we wished they were there was um, and value sensitive design is mostly a set of values that is supposed to change with each project like you start by researching the values and then you you um, uh, you really embed them into the project but obviously that's not possible for projects of small at a small scale it also might be more difficult for people who don't already have um that that experience with ethical design toolkits or like value sensitive toolkits and and so on to use that in the design process and i think that's where the bbc uh, r d value toolkits comes in like really it's value it's a great um it's a great way to get into that field and I know we haven't quite seen at this stage um, what the students have kind of uh, come up with, but um, do you do you feel that the what the students have done is um, is kind of pushed the value the values um, or the the kind of uh, the framework on um, you know I, it's really, I guess it's really difficult to like talk about it without seeing it, but. Um, when the students first saw it and then you kind of said look you know try and find ways to break it almost um which we've also tried to do um so you are trying to play this kind of like hey we're really ethical um but doing this thing but we're actually not um i find really interesting um there's a word for it which i cannot think of but do you feel that the students kind of really picked up on it and and the results or what they're kind of working on kind of pushes the framework on um, in a place that we probably hadn't to date. It's a lot of questions there, sorry. <laughs> All right, so um, do I think like trying to break it push the framework um, like beyond like what was existing? So yeah, so um, we haven't seen the project yet, so I'm not sure yet, but for sure what I've seen in the workshop session, um, is that like uh, it does, um, it did kind of 
pushed against that idea of values being universal, because even between those universal values, there's always trade-offs. Like autonomy might actually conflict with care. And, I, and I, it was really interesting to see how the students were, uh, were discussing that. Uh, and so I think maybe this, um, maybe that's where the value of these workshops with students will, uh, we, yeah, maybe that's the value of this workshop with students, working more around like the trade-offs between these different values and how people are, uh, are discussing them or addressing them or making the most of them. What are the values in the set that they, they're prioritizing? Does that change in different cultures? Like even if those are universal values, like how are some of them pushed forward more than others? To go back to the accessibility example, for instance, um, the American policy around disability was very much around autonomy, not choice, being able to do things independently. Whereas the British model was very much around welfare, making sure that people are being cared for. And I think like a trade-off between the two, because both these frameworks Let's let some people down uh, is is what we need going forward, and maybe that's where trying to break these kind of frameworks kind of highlight there will never be a perfectly ethical um, choice. Uh, there will never be an utopia. Uh, we do need to make trade-offs and be very aware of it. Do you? I mean, especially because you talked about the, the, the like many many different design frameworks. Um, do you think that there's a few in particular that you feel could uh, this could kind of almost like dovetail into, or or do you see them quite separate um, at the moment? Especially if, if you take an example like um, let's look at the accessibility of 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 for example a product. Uh, do you think you could use a framework to build that product, uh, a design? framework but also at the same time apply the human values to that or do you think it's quite or yeah maybe it's, you haven't quite thought that far ahead or do you think that they they are quite quite separate in what they do i think generally lots of design frameworks can be articulated to each other because like um you well, we all have that experience when you start with an activity and it's not working as well as you thought it would. And so you're tweaking it a bit further, that framework or, or like toolkit that you've designed and, and, and or like you mix it with something else. So you have these two different activities. And then it's like, again, I think like the versatility of that framework makes it uh, maybe um, more like useful for this kind of flexible methodological approach. I think in terms of uh, uh, accessibility, I tend to, I mean, there are for sure things that um, if you're expert enough in accessibility, you're going to be able to point out in the design process very, very quickly. I tend not to think about it as um, something that you can just apply a toolkit to. First of all, because um, it means that disabled designers don't really get the seat at the table. I think there's like some values in saying, right, so we're not actually making toolkits for that because every time we do that kind of work, we're going to bring disabled people in and pay them for exp their expertise. Um, and it's for sure been the position of a dis disability design community for some time that uh, you can't just um, reduce inclusion and accessibility to 
a design framework or CAD deck, however well designed uh, that framework or CAD deck or like toolkit is. Um, but I also do think that you could use that framework within a co-design process or a participatory design process with participants directly and not just between designers. And we'll get back to uh, the flexibility of it. Um, that might be you know, uh, the greatest asset. We talked about obviously, you know, before kind of a, a little bit about, you know, discovering the um, <clears throat> the human values framework. Um, and also we talked a little bit about afterwards. Is there anything that you would foresee in the future that um, you would like to take forward, um, you know, based around the human values framework? It might be that you kind of go, hey, I would like to definitely do this project using it, or I would like to experiment with this with it. You know, it's, it's kind of like what you would like to do rather than what you're going to do. Uh, so yeah, so like one of the things that I've been um, that I've been thinking about and and that I teach every year is like ethics, ethical practices in in technology. And I have students like finding articles about whichever of the tech giants like Google, Amazon, or something. And I just ask them to find five scandals in the last six months. And students go like, "Oh no." <laughs> Because there's always a lot more than five scandals in the last six months, and they realize how like uh, how much of a privacy they've given up for using the services, and I think that's a very formative um, that's a very formative activity. And I'm wondering uh, if uh, if the Human Values Project couldn't be using that kind of analysis. We have tools for heuristic analysis um, uh, for the interface, for instance, like. Is this legible? Is the interface consistent? Is the information at, like available at the right time, uh, in the right place, um, and so on? And maybe if it's kind of like a, a set of heuristics for analyzing um, technologies at, as a teaching tool, uh, and that might, I think, because it was seen more as a as an ideation and creative tool. The analysis part might not quite be there yet, and 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 that could be also useful in teaching. Uh, so, kind of where we're at. So, we're, we're you know, the project, not the project, the the stage of the project, kind of finishes in July, um, and um, we'll be writing up a uh, a bunch of thoughts and um, analysis of what we've done. Um, but one of the things that we're looking at doing is um, some kind of online assessment. So um, we are basically building a psychometric um, so people can kind of go through and answer the questions. And at the end of it, you'll get some kind of like notification of like, this is how, not necessarily you are 100% human values, whatever, but it's more like just an indication of like, hey, this is um, doing really well here. You're doing a little bit less well here. Um, but it's going to be quite, quite uh, simplistic, where then there'll be the chance to go to a half day assessment um, later to go into much more detail about some of the questions and some of the uh, sort of points. Uh, so it's kind of much more customized to the uh, organization. So one of the things that we were asking is that um, 
would you prefer it to be I think I know the answer to this personal as a in person or in or virtual so what I think is that um I think that for if you go to practice you need like this there are specific kind of like skills sure everybody can become an ethical practitioner but as you develop a specific expertise in how to discuss like yeah um ethical choices uh, as an ethics practitioner uh, i do think there's value in them um, uh, and so and i think also like again those are very rich discussion um that you can have just like using these prompts i do think though that there's value in in getting an online kind of like assessment too just because it's um it's a maybe it's the first step toward something more like there's a very low barrier to um to engagement and i think maybe that's that might be prompt that might be prompting thoughts of like right uh actually that is just not at all compatible with this value and and maybe that's wrong um I also think that it's um, uh, values are very complex things and, and that it might uh, be difficult to really understand the implications of a given value card if it's just an online assessment tool. Well, I'm a researcher, so I, I just want to see how that goes. That's great. Yeah, no, I think um, it's a, I think this is one of the things that we're, one of the things we're looking at is that the online assessment would be something that you could get an overview and then you know then you kind of it kind of helps you to ask the questions that you're not answering in a way or you know, they're not making as much sense and that's where you get into the, the you know dig into the detail because you're, you're you know every single organization company is you know it's based on different things so that the values are different in in some parts of the world than others, as you as you mentioned already, so it, you need that kind of like a little bit more of a a detailed discussion, which yeah, rather than a kind of like a form that you just click through. So yeah, okay. Um, so this is this is the end. So I wanted to make sure that you, if there was any kind of like any other kind of things that you wanted to ask or or kind of like uh, say um please do now and i'll try and answer them or i'll let you just kind of like um kind of have a think about anything that you might would like to see in the future when it comes to human values or or anything that you've been kind of like thinking about that's like you know why have they not done this or or why have they not looked in this area um yeah so i'm looking forward to see what other people have been uh, doing with the uh, framework, how they've been adapting it to a situation, uh, whether it helped or or it didn't, like maybe it was pushed against as just being another design activities. I've seen that happening before. I would really be um, interested to see it used by people other than designers, um, because it's always this thing where designers, at least in the way we think about ourselves or um, are like the users advocate, uh, like how does that go with other stakeholders who don't who are the profits advocate? <laughs> like how do you uh, how do you convince them that um, this does have an impact on the quality of the product and user engagement, or what happens if your values actually have a negative impact on user engagement? And and like how do you negotiate for that? 
Um, so yeah, so really looking forward to how other people are using it. I would like to thank Emile Brule for her time and her honesty. If you'd like to know more about the human values, then please do join us at humanvalues.io and please visit bbc.co.uk slash rd for more exciting projects, services and technologies. You've been listening to 2LO Rebooted from BBC Research and Development, telling the stories of BBC's technology and product groups.